Yes, there is a pizza sauce in the in the uh, book that I've been telling you about. Um, there's a wonderful ketchup recipe in there for those of you. Do you like ketchup here? You see, we all have different tastes. For me, the hardest thing to give up was mayonnaise. For my husband, the hardest thing for him to give up was milk. But I've met people that said ketchup was the hardest thing. Now, to me, I can't imagine why ketchup was hard because, you know, I never was really cared for ketchup. But some people really love it. Other people really love mustard. We do have a tasty recipe for mustard. Um, has, has the base been baked before? Yes, yes, that's right, correct. Yeah, it's pita bread that you can buy in the store. It's just pita bread that you buy right out of the store. And it's already baked. Mm -hmm. Now you could put any kind of vegetables on there of your choosing. Uh, we cho chose some zucchini, but I can't remember what you call zucchini. What? Koche. Sounds strange to my ear. Koja. Kojet. Cogette. Sounds French, doesn't it? Cogette. Okay. And then we have olives. Now, I hope your olives are good in here. Uh, Australia, their olives are so terrible, I couldn't eat them. And we use them quite a bit in different recipes. So I hope yours are really tasty. And then we have some green onions right out of uh, Laura's garden. And some nice tomatoes. But you could put many different things. You could put, you know, even the salad onion or yellow onion. Then you just pop it in the oven for 10 minutes, and that's all there is to it. Let's just give her a hand. Okay, did we do all of them? Is that all of them? Excuse me. Yes. Yes. I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> well, your pita bread is different than ours. Your pita bread comes in, it's got two, I mean, it's like a hole in there. I hope what you're saying doesn't happen. And ours are round, and yours are sort of oblong. So we'll see what happens. Could you please go give that information to them? She's saying that it's only air in there, and all you have to do is punch a little hole in there, and that won't happen. So please give that instruction to the kitchen. Uh, zucchini. Mm -hmm. And um, it starts with a Z. How did you ever get a C out of that? <laughs> all right. I think we have all the recipes we're going to Now we're going to give you some vegetables to dip, to use these dips. Uh, one other thing that we're serving, it's a dill dip. And I'm going to give you instructions on how to do that, but I don't have it in front of me. Dill dip. Um, in the book, I have a dill. Could I have your attention, please? In the book, I have a dill dressing. Um, and I took that dressing and made it into a dip. And I want to tell you uh, the changes I made because it makes such a wonderful uh, dip and you can serve this like at weddings you know where they have dips out and everything and the ladies are so thrilled to think that th that they have something that has no cholesterol in it and and uh, no fat and or or very low fat so what it is is uh, your tofu and water now wait you start out with uh, 
uh, sesame seeds and water, fourth of a cup of water, <clears throat> and I'm going to look it up see how many sesame seeds. And you blend that until it's really smooth. For our X3, And uh, what you do is you just take the sunflower seeds and the water, which is one-fourth of a cup of sesame seeds, one-fourth cup of water, a 10-ounce uh, package of silken tofu. And um, I don't know, but there's a lot of feedback coming up here to where it's hard for me to talk over all of the talking that's going on in the room. And then lemon juice and garlic and uh, onions and salt. You whiz that all up. I use raw onions, and every, every recipe that I have uh, where it calls for powdered onion or powdered garlic, I just use the fresh. It's much better for you because the more you process anything, um, the more you process things, um, you know, it's better if you can use the fresh whole foods is what I'm trying to say. And you blend that together, and it comes out. And then you just put one tablespoon of dill seasoning, and you know, dill seed or, or not seed um, weed. They call it dill weed here. It's just the top of dill, and you blend that in. Or you don't blend it. You stir that in, and three fourths tablespoon of celery salt, and it just makes the most delicious dip. All right, this time. What it is, is um, it's the dill dressing for a salad dressing in the book on 4RX3, but you cut the water down to one-fourth of a cup, and you add celery salt. All the rest is there. All the other ingredients, you do just the same. Okay? Yes? Okay, there's a wonderful mayonnaise recipe in this book. It's just, uh, do you have uh, Best Food Mayonnaise here? Do you know Best Foods Mayonnaise? What is your mayonnaise called? The one that's most popular. Almonds. Okay, um, all right, I don't know that brand, but um, I have an idea. It, it probably has raw eggs in it, and it probably has vinegar in it. Uh-huh, well, this one, tastes as close to that as any you're going to get. There's only one secret, and that is to blend it a long time in the blender. So like two to three minutes. See, most of us get impatient and we quit before then. If you want that nice consistency that you get on, you know, that of uh, the mayonnaise. Now this mayonnaise will go in any recipe. The only thing is if you're using it on a sandwich, you know, if you say you serve a sandwich to your husband and, and he's taking it to work, don't put his mayonnaise on. He'll, you know, give it to him in a little container and he can put it on when he gets there. If you have a recipe that calls for mayonnaise, you can put that in and it'll do the same thing as the other kind of mayonnaise. And um, we should realize that raw eggs, you cannot be doing that anymore. It's, it, it's causing all kinds of problems and... Um, People are getting sick from using raw eggs, and you must, uh, if you were going to eat an egg, you'd want to uh, boil it for 20 minutes because of the leukemia virus. 
and uh, the leukemia virus has to be brought up to a high heat uh, before it will destroy that. And then there's other problems, and it's too high in cholesterol anyway. And so we must learn how to replace them. And uh, this mayonnaise is so tasty. You just try it, and you'll love it. It's if you follow the steps that it says the way to do it in there, taking your nuts and your hot water first and blending it into a nice, smooth uh, texture, then add the rest, but let it blend two to three minutes. And you see, the longer you blend it, the more it is like that mayonnaise that you're used to uh, eating. It's delicious. And, and if I hadn't had that recipe, if I hadn't come up with that recipe, I don't know that I'd have been able to make it off of mayonnaise because I was hooked on mayonnaise. And it makes nice uh, coleslaw and carrot salad if you want to use that. However, there's some better things to do with carrot salad than, than mayonnaise. It's just that we don't know it. and. And um, but what you learned some of those recipes that are in here, and you'll love them. Yes. Okay. You um, substitute onion and garlic powder. You must use more, at least double, to get what the recipe you know for the flavoring. However, in our family, we like the flavor of onions and garlic, and so I even use a little more, but at least double raw to powdered, because see, powdered is concentrated. Okay, any other questions? If not, we're gonna take this time to give you a little break, and what we want, is there a question back here? Just one last question. Uh, do you know what I would mean by cayenne pepper? Cayenne pepper? Is anybody else translated? I know cayenne pepper. No, it fits in the same category as black pepper. And by the way, for those of you who have, may not know why I'm talking about getting off mayonnaise and mustard, uh, I'm getting ahead of myself because we don't use vinegar. Vinegar is a very harmful substance in that it causes fermentation on anything that you eat with it. So you have a fermented mass a putrefied mass here, and this is what you're going to make your blood out of, and it makes impure blood. It also harms the delicate lining of the stomach. And it's in all of those, vinegar is in mustard and ketchup and in mayonnaise and all of those things. So um, I'm glad you brought the pepper up because it made me remember that. But the pepper also hurts the delicate lining of the stomach. It's very drying to the blood, and you want nice, flowing blood, you want um, nice pure blood that's going to carry oxygen to every cell of the body. And so they are not a good thing to eat. And listen, in these countries where they use a lot of pepper and hot peppers and what have you, they have much more stomach cancer and cancer of the mouth. And they make the connection there. Yeah, I, well, this question is interesting because I understand that it's a hot food, but they use Oh, for the municipal purposes. Okay, her question is, well, what about using it? Now, if I was having a heart attack, you sometimes have to take the lesser two evils. And if I'm having a heart attack and I had some cayenne pepper, I would take the cayenne pepper because I'm not worrying about burning my stomach, the delicate line, trying to get over the heart attack, right? So now that's a little different. But just taking it for a cold... I don't know that I agree with that. Um, it still fits in, you know, when you see scientifically what 
cayenne pepper does to you, I'm not sure that, but if it was less, so you have to take the less of two evils. And um, so there might be times you might want to use it for a municipal purpose. Unfortunately, many people are saying, oh, it's good for medicine. And so they're beginning to take it for everything. And yeah, have you heard of the author Jeff Cross? He, he particularly says in Back to Eden, one of his books, that it shouldn't be confused with regular black pepper. I know, but let's let's remember that he didn't have everything 100% right scientifically. We know now that he has made he had a lot of wonderful information in there, but there are some things that we have learned further. So we must come a little further. Each, you know, um, I'm not knocking his book. It's a wonderful book, and a lot of good information in there. The best for his time that he had. But now we've learned a little more, and that's why it's good to stay into health, because you learn a little more. And now we know about what cayenne pepper does, and so we, you know, we just come up to a little higher. Yes? What about curries? Curries? Okay, uh, depending on what curries you're talking about, I can't just answer that uh, as a broad thing because uh, what you call curry here and I call curry is two different things. You, do you know? Oh, of course. Curry, yeah, that's the one I know about. And I, But I made that broad statement one time knowing what we call curry in America, but then see others stop me and said, no, look, and so they have something they call curry that is not harmful. So. Correct. That's right. And that's what we do is make our own curry powder and uh, that with uh, natural herbs that are good for you and then you can just use that and substitute it. Yes. In some Indian parts, you know, where they're having Indian shops, they sell the pure powder like that's curry without any peppers in it. Uh, that's what happened to me when I had made the broad statement, and uh, I didn't know that. And so, um, so I can't say because I've never seen it, I've never experienced it, and everything. And so, uh, before I'm standing up here telling you that that's an absolute correct thing, I need to know and see it and and experience it. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, if it's, uh, it's a, is this a substitute for uh, soy sauce? Turmeric. Oh, turmeric. Okay, yes, you're right. There is pro and con about turmeric. Um, I, I don't think all the information's in yet, so um, if you use a little turmeric, I, I think it's going to be all right. But, um, you know, I can't stand up here and tell you positively because there are some health educators are saying, you know, not to use it. So it's just, yeah. But I had, I don't have any documentation yet. If somebody can give me documentation, then I could say it. But I have none yet, and there doesn't seem to be any. I just hear different people saying that it fits in the pepper c category, and so. But I can't say that for sure. Yes. Going back to vinegar again, uh, cider vinegar is supposed to be medicinal too, isn't it? Uh, well, it's supposed to be. It, I mean, you hear people saying that, but you know. <laughs> Who starts that kind of a rumor is people who are making cider vinegar and they want to sell lots of cider vinegar. And cider vinegar, apple, um, 
vinegar does not fit in. I mean, it fits in the same, they're all the same. It's a fermented product and it causes fermentation. And many, uh, many people uh, who are into health have fallen for that fallacy and they're using it, thinking they're using it for municipal purposes and they're doing themselves harm. So I cannot recommend any vinegar to you. Yes, I bet you do. <laughs> um, I did read about turmeric. I don't actually use turmeric in our recipes, but there's a book there called Nutrition for Vegetarians. It does, there's a little bit about turmeric and, and the harmful effects of turmeric. Yes, they have a little statement, but uh, no documentation yet. So uh, we're waiting for the documentation to come in. Yes. No, uh, I can't recommend any mushroom to there are carcinogenic and uh, they are of the uh, fungus family and we know how harmful fungus is and uh, you know you just think about where mushrooms are grown they have to be in a dark damp place and um, they are not good for you and uh, they should be all taken out of your diet now if you like mushrooms all you have to do is substitute black olive wherever a recipe calls for mushroom, put the olives in. They have the same consistency as a mushroom and uh, makes it uh, so you don't feel like you're missing out on something. You're just choosing something better. All right, I think now, yes. Soy sauce. Soy sauce is a fermented product. Um, they store it in these big vats. It has a, a mold on it about this high, a mold on it. And uh, probably the least any is uh, fermented is six months. It's a fermented soybean product. We do not use it. In America and in the health food store, I'm sure you're going to be able to get Bragg's. A liquid amino, you can't get it here? Maggi. I would send to America for it. <laughs> but anyway, you have Maggi, and that's a good substitute. You can get it right in the supermarket. Uh, is it Maggi or Magi? Maggi? Maggi. Okay, I just can't keep get that little twist on the words like you do. Yes. Okay, thank you very much. You can get it in the delicatessen stores here in um, England. Yes. Uh, tea and coffee. Well, look, let me say this to you. We're all in different stages of growth in health, and uh, we all have things that we need to, you know, get rid of out of our diet, and we're all on a rung of a ladder. But if you're using tea and coffee, you're not even on the ladder yet. Tea and coffee are poisons. They fit in the poison family. They, um, uh, coffee has a hundred different poisons in it. Sanka, or a coffee substitute, has 99, so you might as well go ahead and use your coffee. You see what I'm saying? There are substitutes like peril and those cereal things to give you a bridge to come off it. And listen, I drank a lot of coffee, and I didn't feel good all my life. I began drinking coffee um, as far back as I can remember. I know that I was already drinking coffee and tea freely by the time I was in second grade. So how early they allowed us to drink it, I'm not sure. But I didn't feel good all my life, and very ill, and it's a slow killer. 
And uh, it also is, fits in the drugs because you, you are uh, hooked on it. You know, when you, if you try to do without it, you're going to have a tremendous headache and some of those symptoms. So you need some help to get off them. But um, just going back to this picture, if you're using them and you're looking into help, you're not even on the ladder yet. You're not even on the first rung. You've got to overcome and uh, give that coffee and tea up before you, you can really say, way in the back first. Can, can I ask the question then? I think the young lady down the front is saying, if I got it right, that she has trouble drinking water. Yes. And therefore, would it not be better that she drank something like caro or caro or, or barley club or whatever? No, I didn't hear her say that. Uh, maybe I, I heard Did you say that? Did I hear the question yeah, very Oh, I thought she said juice. Uh, first. Okay, Pero, uh, it would be a bridge. Pero and some of those would be a nice bridge off of coffee and tea. But herb tea would be best, would be the best, because see, herb tea can interchange with water. And none of those others can. They all do something to your digestion that my husband's going to explain in a little bit in his lecture. Herb tea is the very best to get off of, you know, to drink in between meals. But, um, and you can count herb tea as your water. I forgot that, so I'm glad you brought that up again. And, um, but uh, I can't recommend anything else, and you'll know why after he gives his lecture. Okay, um, I'm recommending for someone who is on coffee that needs a substitute, a bridge to get off, to use some of those cereal things. I am not recommending it to a health person who has already begun with their health because it starts your digestion. You keep your digestion going all the time. So what it is, it's something to help someone who's addicted to coffee and tea. That's the only way that I'm recommending the cereal drinks. Oh, okay. I wasn't looking at it from that point. I was looking at it for, for example, if you evening, you feel hungry, and instead of eating, you just have a drink. Okay? That'd be fine. Oh. If you didn't eat with it, it'd be fine. Well, but is, is nothing wrong with it? Nothing wrong with it if you call it your meal. There, oh, it's nothing wrong. It's some of them, some of them, there is something wrong in that it's uh, a charcoal grain. And you know, when you cook grains to a burn, uh, they're not healthful. Then, see, it's not. It doesn't fit into like charcoal. So, so you have to look carefully at the label. A postum is one of them that is that burn grain, so then it becomes unhealthful. <coughs> yes? Chicory, that's what we're talking about, the burn grain, isn't it? Yeah, chicory, which is not the best. Okay, this, we're on the last, um, last rung of our class this afternoon. And um, I want to talk to you folks just a little bit Actually, we have, uh, in the eight classes, we speak on several different subjects, especially the eight natural laws of health, but we're going to try to implement a few of, of those things into one lecture today. And so I want to talk to you a little bit on water and um, 
I would like to talk to you on, about your digestion because you see digestion, 70% of sickness, disease, and death is directly related to uh, problems with the digestive system. Uh, because when the digestive system doesn't function properly, it affects every organ of the body. Uh, now, what is the bottom line to good health? Now, we know that many people are having a lot of physical diseases and sicknesses today, but, and yet they don't really know what to focus in on. And so <clears throat> we have to find out what is the element that's causing all the problem. Number one, the life of the flesh is in the, is in the blood. And uh, if we do not have pure blood and good circulation, we're not going to have good health. And so we need to focus in on the blood. How can I make that blood pure and how can I have a better circulation? Because if I do, then that means the blood is going to circulate throughout the body and I'm going to have better health. Because if there's absence of blood, there's what? No life. And so we find people having numbness and sickness and diseases. And basically, its bottom line is because it is uh, of the, the blood has been affected in some way. It either is not uh, uh, functioning or flowing uh, freely through the system, or it is impure with some kind of impurity or toxemia. Now, I remember a, uh, a doctor right here in London, a very famous doctor, a uh, cancer doctor. Uh, astro I think his name is Astronaut Lane. <clears throat> he contends that there is only one disease, one disease, and that one disease is toxemia. And uh, when we have a buildup of toxemia in our system, <clears throat> what happens is the virus comes along, and uh, when we pick up the virus, it has all this here buildup of toxemia, our waste in our system, to thrive on. But if a person has a, a clean system and they have a, have a good elimination, then the virus doesn't have time to start thriving on the waste in the body. It moves right on through the body and out. Now, have you ever heard of a carrier? You never hear of a carrier having the disease, but they carry the disease. Because the body, at that time when they uh, check the person, uh, they apparently have the disease in them. But their system is good enough that it's flowing out. And it's the same way. When we want to eliminate the toxins in our... Uh, oh, okay. If, when we want to uh, have good health, then we need to have the toxins eliminated out of our system. And the only way of doing that is having a good elimination. When a person has a constipation, they have problems. They feel very sluggish, very lack of energy, the whole thing. And this is one of the world's biggest problems today, is constipation. <laughs> with poor elimination, and I want to focus in on that just a little bit today. Now, <clears throat> first of all, whoop, I don't want to get too close to this, it blurts out there a little bit. <clears throat> first of all, let's just, can you hear me without that? Can you hear me without the mic? No. Oh, I see. Well, it may be difficult. I may have to travel between here and there, so just bear with me. <clears throat> okay, now that's not a little, it's a little bit off, isn't it? <clears throat> Can you folks see that all right? Okay, that's what is called the alimentary canal. And now this is what consists of the whole digestive system. 
And where the, usually the problem is arising in this constipation problem is when it starts getting into the colon, the large intestinal area. Now, the uh, elementary system consists of, of uh, these major parts. Now, you can see the mouth is a major part of the elementary uh, system because that's where you first put the food in. This is vitally important that the food is masticated quite thoroughly because a lot of the digestion begins in the mouth. In fact, some of the food is pretty well digested before it gets to the stomach. Pre-digested, if you please, when it's mixed with ptyalin, which is a chemical that is in the saliva. Now, you go down to the next part, which is the esophagus, moves into the stomach. Now, keep in mind that the liver and the pancreas is not a part of the alimentary canal. It aids in the digestion, but it's not a part of the alimentary canal. <clears throat> the pancreas and the liver enter into that system through the duodenum, which is right in here. It has two tubes sitting in there, and you can see the liver coming down and going into the duodenum and they aid in the, the digestion of the food. Now, <clears throat> in our food, we have four major digestive juices. Three of those are alkaline. One is acid. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> okay, so the food goes down into the stomach, down into the duodenum, and then the liver and pancreas produces these biles and chemicals that go into there to aid the digestion. Now, if the food is not thoroughly masticated in the mouth, then that puts an overload on the pancreas because, you see, the pancreas has to produce those chemicals to aid in the digestion because it has some of the same uh, types of chemicals or digestive juices. Then it goes from the duodenum. I should have myself a pointer, I suppose. It goes from the duodenum down into the smaller intestines. And it goes through the small intestines. Now... <clears throat> in the small intestines, that's where it starts doing the absorption as far as the, the minerals and the nutrients. It goes into the rest of the system, into the liver, for it to distribute it out through the body, through the capillaries, or capillaries as you would call them. And then it goes from the small intestines into the large intestines. Now you have three segments of your large intestines. And it's called the ascending colon. This is the part that's going up. And then you have the, the uh, transverse colon, which is coming across, and then the descending colon, and then you have the sigmoid colon, which is right here at the bend, and then the, uh, the rectum, and then the anus. And uh, where a lot of this constipation problem comes is when the food is not digested properly, then it starts binding up in here, and the more it binds up, it builds up on the walls, and Oh, <laughs> thank you so much. I appreciate that. Okay. It starts building up on the walls of the intestines, and pretty soon a person gets uh, uh, colitis, and they start getting the, a lot of these here uh, uh, different diseases of the, of the stomach and the colon and the bowel. So the whole idea is how do we keep this pretty well cleansed out? What are we doing today that causes a problem, the getting, the, getting ourselves bound up to the point where we do not have regular elimination? And so we want to point out some of those things to you. Uh, we're going, oh, okay, thank you. You can move that next one on there. I just want to point out this just a little bit. <coughs> First of all, we must chew the food good. That's a major part of the, of the digestion because if you don't, then the stomach has to overwork. It has to do a lot more of the work. So you want to make sure that your food is, is uh, uh, chewed quite well. Okay, so the saliva itself, 
produces the, the saliva in the mouth. You have saliva glands all through the mouth, the cheeks, the tongues, and what have you. It is a watery and colorless uh, in appearance. And uh, it has a chemical called platylin, which is an enzyme that helps to digest starches and sugars. And uh, sugars are, are not that easy to digest. Okay, and saliva also produces an alkaline acid neutralizing chemical action. And so <clears throat> this is a necessary thing and for us to have so we do not have the, what you might call the acid indigestion. Okay, could you put the next one on, please? Thank you. Now, here are some of the foods that we need to take a look at. Foods are uh, put into three different classes. Uh, class one, uh, heat and energy foods. We know our body needs heat and it needs energy, doesn't it? And these are some of the foods that gives us the energy. We won't go through all of them, but it's starch, and it's sugars, and it's fats. So fats are uh, a definite thing that we do need to have, the polyunsaturates and the monounsaturates uh, type fats. The saturated fats we can stay away from. That's the, that's the one that causes all the problems, the culprit. Class two, we need a bodybuilding uh, repair foods, which is proteins, uh, which has come from grains, peas, beans, lentils, nuts. Now remember, as we get older, we don't need to build, we don't need to build as much. We just need to maintain and restore, keep rebuilding the cells. But we're not growing anymore. And so um, <clears throat> most of these grains, well, let's see, the grains, uh, lentils, now the beans aren't acid, but the grains and the lentils, those are acid foods. Our body is 75% alkaline and 25% acid. And many times we, we get uh, an overbalance of acid. And when we get an overbalance of acid, more than 25%, then we start getting more toxins in our system. And so that's where we usually make the mistake. But when you start thinking about all the acid foods that, pe that are on the market today, and we're gonna get into that, not today, but um, uh, maybe tomorrow if we can get, squeeze it in. I'm going to get into the acid foods and what effects they have on the body and um, uh, how they uh, move throughout the body and what they cause in our body. Okay, the next type of class of food is uh, class three. Now these are vitally important because this is what really keeps the food moving through the body and uh, keep it from standing still or binding us up. And those, that, those products are water. And uh, minerals and vitamins, these are vitally important. If we're not having this, friends, we don't have growth. In fact, when we start getting weak and we start having physical problems. And the cellulose, which is very, very important because cellulose creates bulk and fiber, which carries the, helps to carry the food through our system. Now, our body is 75% water. <clears throat> and uh, you can see that if we do not drink ample amounts of water, we're going to have problems because our brain is 80% water, uh, the bones are 30% water, uh, the blood is 80% water, and when you do not drink enough water, <coughs> excuse me, then uh, we, the blood starts getting thick. It not only gets thick, but it doesn't move very ex expediently. And because of that, we have a sluggish cir circulation. So we need to drink enough water in order to get that blood loosened up and get it moving. Because remember, it's 80% water. And a lot of times, if we don't drink enough water, what happens 
the body has a built-in mechanism, uh, a, a survival mechanism. And uh, if you do not drink enough water, the, wa the body says, now wait a minute, I better hang on to what water I've got because this guy isn't going to drink any water. And uh, what happens when it hangs on to that water, we end up with water retention. And uh, when you have water retention, you're retaining what? Toxins, aren't you? Your body isn't eliminating the toxins. And we're going to get into more of that tomorrow. And so it's retaining the toxins, it's retaining all the, all the old water and recirculating the old water continually. You see, we drink like about, we don't drink, but our body circulates around 2,500 gallons of water a day. It just keeps circulating, the same water. And so it, as the more it circulates, the more toxins it picks up, and the more toxins it holds on to. So water is vitally important. Now, when you, if you ever had a well, and if you can't get the water to come up out of the well, what do you do? You prime it. What do you prime it with? You prime it with water. And it helps to get a, get a prime where you can get the water out of the well, doesn't it? It's the same way. If you want to eliminate the water retention, in most cases, then you have to drink water. If not, you're going to have water retention. And we'll find out what happens tomorrow because of that. Okay, would you like to change that for me, please? <coughs> that one may have to go on side. Yeah. Okay, it may be just over the bush. There we go. Now, how does these, uh, these different three classes of foods uh, function in our body? We have the body fuels that we talked about, the body building materials, and the body regulators, which is the water, minerals, vitamins, and the cellulose. They, you put them in your mouth, they go down into the digestive system. The digestive system processes it. It goes through our metabolism, which the liver plays a big part of that, you see, in the metabolism. And then it dis the liver distributes it out throughout the body when your body calls for it or needs it. And so it goes all through the body whenever your body needs that, uh, that nutrients. Okay, put it over to the next one there. Now, <clears throat> The one thing that I want to focus in on, the reason why we have poor elimination, the reason why we have in bladder infections, because we don't use the prescription that God gives us. This is important. Because you see, water, there's only two things that are really uh, very cleansing that we have found. And the two things is water, number one. Number two, believe it or not, charcoal. Charcoal. Did you know in ancient Israel, they were considered unclean until after evening, and even after evening they were unclean if they did not wash their hands with running water and charcoal. They would mix the charcoal in the water and then pour it over the hands and wash their hands. You know why? Because the charcoal has a tremendous absorbing, I say charcoal, they call it ashes then. But ashes and charcoal are the same, aren't they? And they used to put the ashes in the water and, and then pour the water over their hands and the charcoal had this tremendous drawing effect of drawing bacteria and disease and viruses and what have you off the hands. That was one of the hygiene requirements that God gave the ancient Israelites when they were going from Egypt to Canaan. <clears throat> when Job had all the sores, does anybody know the story of Job? What, was the th what did he do? He went and set in the ashes and put ashes all over him and scraped it off with a, with a stick, didn't he? So you see, ashes or charcoal, if you want to reverse that, has been in existence for many, many years. 
And so they find that charcoal, even in the major hospitals today, they use charcoal as a, uh, instead of Epicac, uh, which is a very dangerous drug. They use it to, um, to uh, absorb the poisonous drugs up with the person who's OD'd or taken poison or a child or whatever the case may be to bring it on through their system. Now, I'm going to recommend these things, and I'd like for you to try them. We won't be here next week to check to see if you've done it, so it's going to have to be an honor system. You want a better uh, a system of elimination? You want to eliminate a, a, a constipation? You want to have a better, um, be able to flush the toxins out of your system better? These are some of the things you must do. This is, this is God's prescription. We need to drink six to eight glasses of water a day. Now, if you are a larger person, you might want to drink uh, eight to nine glasses of water a day. And if you uh, are working hard and it's, and it's hot and you're perspiring quite readily, you might want to drink 10 glasses a day because our body eliminates 10 glasses of water a day. Uh, believe it or not, a couple of glasses through our just exhaling and uh, uh, quite a bit through the skin, uh, our skin breathes, you know, and uh, through a urination or, or through our bowels. And, but we do usually get two glasses of water from vegetables and fruits. And then uh, if we drink the other uh, six to eight glasses, then we usually have met the requirements. But uh, if it is warm, or if you're working hard, or if you're a larger person, I'd say even drink more. But I'd like to see you drink six to eight glasses of water today, at least. And uh, two glasses of water upon rising in the morning. Now, what I have uh, uh, requested people to do a lot of times is drink warm water. Now, a lot of people say, you know, warm water, it tastes terrible. But you know, once you get in the habit of it, you feel deprived if you don't have it. And um, what else you could do is if you don't like the taste of warm water the first thing in the morning, put a little lemon juice in there. Because lemon juice will not only uh, help flavor it a little bit, but lemon juice will help to aid your digestion, and uh, especially older folks that uh, do not have as much hydrochloric acid in their stomach to digest food. It will aid their, their digestion. Uh, okay, <clears throat> and two to three glasses between the breakfast and the lunch. Now, the reason why I'm saying before meals and after meals, drink it at least 20 to 30 minutes before and after. I mean before, an hour and a half after meals. <clears throat> because I'll tell you why. If you drink fluids with your meal, what it does is it delays your digestive system. Now, <clears throat> a normal digestive system will digest the food within four and a half hours. Now, if you're a meat eater, you might as well forget it because it's going to take longer. Meat is not easy to digest. In most cases, it'll putrefy before it digests. But uh, the average digestion for a vegetarian is four and a half hours. <clears throat> and uh, if you drink water with the meals, what it does, it dilutes the hydrochloric acids and the digestive juices in your stomach. And so therefore, the body, the digestive system has to stop until it can warm up and eliminate the water out of your system. And then it goes back and digests the food. And so that takes another hour and a half to two hours. And so consequently, the food is in your stomach maybe up to six, six and a half hours. <clears throat> and, uh, 
And what happens when you put food in a dark, warm place where it's moist? Does anybody know? It sours and putrefies. And what makes blood? The food that we eat makes blood. And so you see, it's very important. How important do you think you are? How uh, uh, valuable do you think your body is? Remember, God made these wonderful bodies. And uh, <clears throat> if there's ever any doubt, go back to the manual. And he tells us how to do it. So, you see, we want to do it correctly so we can make proper blood, so we can have a healthier body. And so, <clears throat> it would do you well if you did not drink liquids with your meals. Now, that goes for any other type of liquid as well. Because it will dilute the hydrochloric acid. Okay, <clears throat> then it goes on, um, oh, 10, 10 or 15 minutes before bedtime, avoid drinking any uh, water, especially cold. Now, if you drink warm water or just tap water or something, you're going to find that it'll take that long. If you drink cold water, it's going to take much longer to, di to digest because it takes longer to warm up the water and eliminate it. Yes? You know, sometimes you have a meal and you have a bit of soup before your main meal. Does that do the same as well? Um, <clears throat> I, soup is fine. I would make it a thicker type soup. You know what I mean? And uh, yes. If you, uh, you're drinking water one and a half hours after your meal, your meal takes four and a half hours to go through the stomach. When the water goes down there, is it going, going to dilute? Yeah, but you see, it's already passed through the first process and it's dropped down into the lower tract. And uh, by this time, you can drink water, and it will not dilute the hydrochloric acid because it's gone down into a different, uh, it's already been processed and went down to a different track. <clears throat> it's when it's in the stomach, you see, and you drink water and it's in the stomach, that's where it will stop. The stomach, stomach will stop that action. You see, and the stomach has a kneading action. It's just like kneading bread. And uh, if you do anything to stop the digestion, it'll stop the kneading. And uh, that's where the problem usually arises. So you said, what about, uh, what about eating? What happens to it if you drink one and a half hours after? <clears throat> what about eating one and a half hours after? Oh, we're going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't finished yet. <laughs> okay. Uh, extremely hot because it can affect the lining of your stomach. And uh, I wish we had more time about the water. and. Uh, <clears throat> I want to encourage many of you folks, I'll be with you in just a second there. I want to encourage you folks, let me tell you something. We mentioned the other day in some of the classes we were giving that everything in this earth is polluted. Do you agree to that? Everything you touch and see is polluted. They're polluting the food by putting sprays on it. The cattle are filled with 40 different, 40 some different types of chemicals. Uh, the air is polluted. And uh, you folks are having a problem with your air here in London as well as we are in the United States in our major cities. Uh, our water is polluted. And we'd like to encourage you folks, if there's any way possible, to get a, some type of filter on your water uh, faucet. If you, and if you can afford it, I would look into finding myself a distiller or reverse osmosis type, type system. Because uh, pure water is vitally important. And we found, in fact, I was just talking to a young lady here uh, just recently, and I'm sure she won't mind that if I mention this, that she noticed a, quite a difference when she had a filter on the water and she boiled the water. She found that she eliminated a lot of pains in her body. 
And uh, you see there's about, there's a number, I wish we had time to show you the list of chemicals that are in the water. But they have to put those chemicals in. Because if they didn't, you couldn't use the tap water. Friends, it's getting down to the wire, isn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's survival time. And so we must do as much as we possibly can to preserve this wonderful body God has given us. And so we have to take every step we possibly can. And this is a step for survival. Now the young people may get by with it for a period of time. But when you start getting in your 30s, in your 40s, strange things start happening to your body because there's a buildup of chemicals. What is drugs? Chemicals, isn't it? And uh, it's, they put the chemicals in the water, you have some of the same reactions down the line, just in the minor, it's in the minor amounts, but eventually it's gonna catch up with you. But now, vegetables and fruits have what they call phytochemicals, which are fantastic for your body to cure disease and to uh, prevert, uh, prevent cancer. And uh, that's what we need to do, is we need to reverse the process. Okay, we could just uh, put the other one on. We're going to talk about the one that uh, Mr. Humphreys just mentioned just a moment ago. Eating between meals. Now these are major principles I'd like to see you try in your life and just this, well, from now on. But if you can't, if it's hard for you, you keep slipping back, don't get discouraged. Just keep trying because your life depends on it. Longer life, better life. Now, the first principle was drinking the water. The second principle, believe it or not, is eating between meals. Now, I tell you, eating between meals is something that we've always done, uh, every one of us. And I've had that problem myself in the past. And uh, it's something, it's a habit that we have to break. Now, a lot of times, what we inherit, we do inherit genetic weaknesses from our families. There's no doubt. But friends, we can make that genetic weakness even worse because you know why? We inherit also their lifestyle. And uh, my poor mother, my mother was a fabulous cook. Just like my wife says, guaranteed to kill you by the time you're 50. And, uh, but I loved it and I didn't pay no attention to it because I was young and I could get by with it. But as I got older and started studying on health, I realized that wasn't the way to go. And so, but I inherited my mother's lifestyle, you know, um, uh, the meat for breakfast and the eggs and the gravy and the biscuits, and boy, I thought it was fabulous. But let me tell you, friends, if we continue on, when we're in that sick bed and we're facing death, <coughs> it doesn't look too good. <coughs> and if we know that we can prevent that ahead of time, isn't it worth it? Yes. Isn't it worth it to have a longer life and healthier life and a happier life Friends, you can't be happy unless you're healthy. If you're sick and taking medications and you're feeling exhausted and weary all the time, you can't be happy. We're trying to show you how to have a happier life. <clears throat> now, there was a test done in a university uh, in, uh, back east, <clears throat> and they used a x-ray machine in order to conduct this test. They had five people, <clears throat> uh, five groups in this test, and this is what they did. They fed them a normal meal the day before, and they checked their stomachs out with x-ray machines to find out how the food would digest in each one of those individuals, and they found that the longest one was in a period of around four and a half hours. And so that's how they, <clears throat> they found that a person would digest uh, food in around four and a half hours. <coughs> Excuse me. 
But you're going to see some real, real interesting results when they gave them the same test the next day. Only one thing they did different. They fed them a normal breakfast. And the first person, two hours later, now two hours later, they gave everyone something different. And this is what happened. The first person, they gave them an ice cream cone. And six hours after they, they x-rayed the stomach, they found residue of the breakfast in the stomach. Now, how long does it take for the food to digest? Four and a half hours. Four and a half hours. But yet, when they had the ice cream cone, there was still residue of their breakfast in the stomach. <coughs> Excuse me. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. Can we oh. be ready in 20 minutes? <coughs> yeah, that'd be fine. <coughs> we have to kind of work together with the kitchen because um, Sometimes the kitchen, you know, they're trying to make so much and it's kind of builds up back there, so it takes a little while. Now, <clears throat> another interesting thing. Um, peanut butter sandwich. The second person had a peanut butter sandwich. And so they checked the stomach and nine hours after they had the sandwich, they had residue of the breakfast in their stomach. Now, Nine hours, and I said six hours or six and a half hours is a long time because the food starts to putrefy. Now we're talking about nine hours. Okay, <clears throat> party number three had a piece of pumpkin pie and a glass of milk, and they also, nine hours later, found that they had residue of the breakfast still in their stomach. And uh, I'm leading up to something, and I want you to see if you know what it is. Okay, party number four had a half a slice of bread and butter repeated every one and a half hour with no dinner, nothing else. They had more than half of the breakfast in their stomach in nine hours. Now nine hours is quite a, quite a long time. In fact, in most in nine hour period, most people have eaten three meals. These folks only ate a, a, slice, a half a slice of bread and butter. A half a slice. Now, this is interesting because uh, uh, we spoke about tea and coffee, but let me tell you, chocolate is also a dynamite on the system. Because see, tea and chocolate and coffee has uh, methylanthines in them, and uh, it, which are different types of methylanthines, which are poisonous, and which are connected to cancer and even prostitutes, which is a lot of uh, problems that men have, especially that drink coffee. <clears throat> Something you might keep in mind. And also, they also caused uh, uh, fibrosis, uh, citric uh, breast disease. There's, there's a strong connection with that as well. Okay. They ate in the portion number five. Now get this, only twice in the morning and twice in the afternoon. Remember, they didn't eat any other meals. But twice in the morning, twice in the afternoon, they had a bit of chocolate. Not a whole lot, a bit of chocolate. And 13 and a half hours later, they had one half of the breakfast in their stomach. Now this is 13 and a half hours later. Now, why would chocolate do that? Well, basically, you know, if you take chocolate, it is very bitter. And uh, if you took chocolate straight, it would be so bitter you couldn't hold it in your mouth. And God has made things that are bitter, bitter because we shouldn't eat them because most things that are poisonous are bitter. Did you know that? Most things that are poisonous are bitter. And so what they do is over half of that chocolate, as a rule, is oil. 
and um, um, sugar. And so consequently, sugar is a double-bonded uh, material. And sugar takes an awful long time to digest, whether we know it or not. Where honey, if you eat honey, it has not only more nutrients or molasses, but it simulates into the system and is, goes through the system quickly because it's a single-bonded material. But sugar is a double-bonded material. And uh, it's very hard to digest. So 13 and a half hours later. Now, you take a person that eats a normal breakfast. And then, uh, if you're in a lot of places, uh, businesses, they have a coffee break at 10. So they have a donut and a cup of coffee or uh, another sandwich or half a sandwich. What's that do to the digestive system? Boom. It's delayed. It goes back to di start digesting on the half a sandwich or the donut. Well, it lets the other set. So it can bring the, first, the last one up to that point so it can take it all through at one time. Now, at 12 o'clock, 12.30, 1 o'clock, a few hours later, now remember, the food's still in the stomach because it takes four and a half hours. You have a lunch. And so you eat again on top of the coffee break and the breakfast. And uh, so the digestion says, oh, hold it. Hold this right there. I'll be back. And it goes and works on that food to bring it up to the point of the last food that you ate. Are you getting the picture? Mm -hmm. And then you have a break in the afternoon at 2 o'clock. And so you have another little snack to give you some energy or to pick you up. Oh, my friends, this is dynamite. So you eat a little more and it stops. It goes back. It never continues digesting the food completely because it has to keep going back all the time. And digest that food and bring it up to that point. And by the time it brings it up to this, the point that it, uh, the last food you ate, then you have a nice big dinner in the evening. And so what happens is you, you lose all your energy, you sit in a chair, and you just really want to be knocked out, don't you? But you still have over half of your breakfast in your stomach. It's never digested. Now I want to ask you a question. When are most of the heart attacks uh, take place at night and early morning you see but the organs of the body start slowing down toward the evening they're really at high peak in the morning so that's why we're going to talk about that in just a minute your digestive system is at high peak in the morning that's when you need to eat the food shouldn't it and uh, we wait until night and put a big meal in there and then we go to bed and the organs of the body say, well, I'm going to slow down and rest. And you say, oh, no, you're not. You're going to go to work and take care of this food. And so the heart's got to start pumping and pumping and pumping. And you lay down to go to sleep so you can rest your outsides, but the insides is working all night. Now, we get by with that for a certain amount of time, but after so many years, friends, the insides wear out. And then you start having problems. You can't digest food. You start getting indigestion. You're making bad blood. And you're saying, I can't understand it. Well, now let me tell you. If you were working outside, digging a ditch for eight hours, you'd know you put a hard day's work in. But would you do it for 24 hours? What would happen? You'd be exhausted. You'd fall in the ditch. That's what happens to the insides. We wear them out. 
We're 50 years old with 100-year-old insides because we've doubled the time. We've worked them 24 hours a day while we slept, even. And so when we start getting in their 40s and 50s, we start having physical problems because the food isn't simulating. It isn't digesting. We're not getting the minerals, the vitamins, because the body cannot absorb it. It's wore out. But friends, there's good news. We can reverse the process if we follow some of the, some of the principles that we uh, are showing. <clears throat> now, how can you reverse the process? Okay, when you go on a trip, when would you put the fuel in? Would you put it in before you go? At the beginning of the trip. Then when you begin the day, that's when you need to put the most fuel in. You just stop for a refueling along the way. But the most fuel, the tank should be filled up at the very beginning of your journey, shouldn't it? <clears throat> so this is what we request. And remember, you're on an honor system. Everybody has a choice. You can't buy good health. The only way you get good health is by healthy choices. And if you want to live longer, if you want to have a better quality of life, then these are some of the principles that you, you can apply that will help. Eat your biggest breakfast and the biggest meal in the morning. Now some people say, but I'm not hungry. But friends, if you don't eat the night before, you will be hungry in the morning. It's only because we got all that food in our stomach, we get up, we don't, we eat something, <clears throat> but it's not very much, just enough to kick off the digestion, you know. Then, so this is a way you reverse the process. Eat a big breakfast in the morning. And um, eat a substantial food, food as grown. If we eat a lot of processed foods, we will be hungry by 10 or 11 o'clock. It will not carry us through, will it? And uh, I wish we had the blackboard and we had more time to show you more of this information, but we don't. But uh, we get this uh, roller coaster diet. We eat things that aren't uh, their processed foods. We get a big high, but they come down way low. And so we have to have another snack at 10 to bring us up again. And so we're going like this all day. <clears throat> but if we eat whole grains and food as grown without the jackets stripped off of them and all the minerals stripped off of them and all the vitamins stripped off of them, then they will hold you, if you have a substantial amount of protein, they will hold you for f five hours. We recommend five hours per meal. Like, from you finish eating at seven in the morning, have your next meal at noon. You finish eating at 12.30, one o'clock, have your next meal uh, at five. But, make the last meal, eat like a pauper. You should eat like a king in the morning, like a prince in the afternoon, and like a pauper at night. So when you get ready to go to bed, then the insides can rest just like the outside. You get the picture there? Doesn't that sound logical? Yes. Now, the best is two meals. My wife and I have been eating two meals a day for years. And um, the less we eat, the better our body functions, believe it or not. And of course, we're not telling you folks to do that, but that's what we do. And we eat a little later, and we put around five to six hours, usually, between the meals. But 
your body not only functions better, but it slows down the aging process. And why? Because your body starts absorbing the nutrients and the minerals, because you've, now you've cleaned all that out, and it starts absorbing the nutrients and the minerals more, and it's starting to feed the cells better. Because the more you're constipated, the more you're sick, the less it's going to feed the cells. And uh, this is what keeps us alive, isn't it? Is having a healthy cell system. Remember to have pure blood. A big breakfast, like a king in the morning, like a prince in the afternoon, and a pauper at night. Now at night, if you want to eat something, eat something like um, uh, fruit or grains. Maybe a crackers, the crackers we showed you here. And uh, I'll tell you a real benefit of that. My wife and I used to work and uh, we'd both come home, and man, we'd get in there and we'd fix a meal, and we had the meal fixed out, and we'd be eating at six, seven, eight o'clock at night, and you know, and I wondered why am I tossing and turning and rolling and everything else? And then we'd have a stack of dishes, and we spent all of our evening working, washing dishes, and cooking when we got off of work. Man, it's great just to come home and have a few pieces of fruit and some crackers, and you have an evening to do other things, you know. And uh, so there are benefits. Another thing is you save money in your grocery bill, believe it or not. And um, they can say that uh, eating natural foods costs more. May be true in some cases. Not always. Meat's not getting too cheap either, is it? Or cheese. But let me tell you, friends, are we worth it? I think so. We have to be worth it. God must have thought so. He gave Jesus, didn't he? And so we, we must be worth it. So we must take care of our bodies, shouldn't we? Okay, now, is there any questions? Remember now, let's just review this just real quickly. The first principle is what? Oh, you haven't forgotten yet, have you? What's that first principle? Water. Remember, we're 80, 75% water, 70% our, our water, our body. And our organs, the biggest part of our body, or our organs are water. And if we don't get, get enough water, the organs of the body will not function properly. They get very sluggish. And that's why you want to make sure you have water. The water also builds up blood volume in our system. And we need blood volume. Exercise brings up blood volume and uh, also feeds the, uh, the uh, cells oxygen, which we need very desperately. Okay, now, the first principle is water. Okay, say it again. First principle, water. The second principle, not eating between meals. Say it with me. Not eating between meals. Good. I want it, I want it engraved on your, on your head, your mind. Now, the third principle. Eat like a king in the morning, like a prince in the afternoon, and like a pauper at night. Let's say it. A king, a prince, a pauper. Again. A king, a prince, a pauper. Do you remember that? Praise the Lord. Good. Okay, now I, you might have a few questions. This young lady back here had her hand up, and I remember, and she wanted to ask a question. Oh, yeah. Um, is it related to water? I mean, um, you mentioned that healthy 
helps presentation. Mm -hmm. How come? I mean, they are two different systems, isn't it? You, you know, your urine goes one way, your feces go the other way. I mean, I know the body works as a whole. You know what I mean? I mean, how does it really help constipation? I understand the whole food the fiber helping constipation. That I understand. But I don't understand the part of, of water in it. Okay, remember, number one, what is the digestive juices made of? Mostly water, aren't they? And if you do not have enough water, you don't have enough digestive juices to digest the food, do you? You'll be lacking in it. Now, if you had some cereal, this may be a, a crude way of putting it, but if you had some cereal on a stove and you cooked it and you came back and said, oh my, it's so thick, I could get a spoon will stand up in it. What would happen if you put water in there and stirred it around? Softens up and would loosen up, wouldn't it? You get the picture? What does it do to the food when you drink? After it gets down past the digestive tract. It lubricates. See, water lubricates to where you have a better and a softer elimination. It doesn't put a strain on you. And uh, <clears throat> water also, it cleanses the tract, your digestive tract. It also lubricates, water also lubricates your, joint, your joints, believe it or not. Some people may have joint pains, and it may be because there's a number of things that could cause joint pains. Uh, but joint pains could be even caused by lack of water. Headaches could be caused from lack of water. Because the blood gets thick, it doesn't circulate as well, and it doesn't get through the capillaries to the brain as well, and so there's a congestion. And so uh, plenty of water usually helps to uh, make the blood flow more freely. Remember, perfect health means pure blood and good circulation. And water is a major part of that because your blood is 80% water. Okay. Is there any? Um, yes. Um, yes. Uh, are there really any um, sort of warning signs when it gives when you're not having enough food? I mean, you would think surely you would be thirsty or your mouth would be dry or something Yes, if you lose 2% um, uh, of water loss a day is natural. But if you start losing more than 2%, in some cases you'll get dizziness. Uh, you may get uh, a weakness feeling. And, uh, tell me this, when you have a car battery and uh, you go out to kick the car over and the car doesn't start, you say, man, what's wrong with this thing? The battery doesn't even turn over. You go out and you look at the battery, you open it up, and what's, what's, what do you see? Dry cells. Dry cells. And so it has no power, no energy, does it? You put the water in the cells, and you charge it, and what happens? You have power. The body is the same way. You don't have the water, you don't have the power. You don't have the energy. Because see, when you sleep at night, it's like getting a charge. So your body has to charge up, electrical charge. And when you're sleeping at night, and you drink enough water, it recharges every cell in your body. You have a negative charge, you see, in your body. And that negative charge keeps all the red uh, blood cells separated. But it charges you up with energy, and when you get up in the morning, aren't you usually, don't you usually have more energy than you do at night? because you just had a recharge. 
And if you don't drink the water, you lose the energy. Yes. Um, you said that um, good health can be reversible. How long would it take following that to be reversible? Okay, we've had people, actually the process will go on for at least 10 years. But we've had people to come into the uh, uh, wellness center. It's just like a hospital. We have a staff of do doctors and nurses. And uh, we've had people to come in and in, we have an 18-day session. And they're monitored. We give them blood tests and we monitor them. We show them how to cook and then we show them what their problems are and how to correct them. And uh, usually in 18 days, we've got people off of high blood pressure medicine. We have them off of uh, insulin. They're back again off of insulin. And uh, we have people that can't even hardly walk. They're walking two and three, four miles a day. <clears throat> because we stimulated the circulation, purified the blood, and it rejuvenates them. And then from that point on, if they keep up, it'll continue reversing for down as, high, as long as 10 years. We also talked about the goodness of water. When I was at school, my biology teacher told me that the last thing at night is to drink a glass of water. How important is that, if it is important, before yeah. you go to bed? Yes, uh, that would be good. If you have a problem holding it, if you have uh, your kidneys will not tolerate it where you can't hold it, you have to get up all the time, then you might want to drink it a little earlier. But uh, as long as it's an hour and a half after you eat, so it doesn't dilute the digestive juices. Yes? If uh, you mentioned earlier on about drinking six to eight glasses, uh, I read in your leaves from the Tree of Life, and you mean an eight fluid ounce glass. An eight ounce glass? An eight, eight fluid ounces, we mm -hmm. say. I find if I drink that much in the winter time, as I have been doing this winter, then that's okay, my urine is clear. But with the hot spell that we've just had, and a lot of physical outdoor work, I find that my urine is very dark. So what I did was I increased my water intake, but I found I had to increase it much more than I thought, maybe even 16, 20 glasses a day to keep the urine clear. Well, everybody is different. And uh, that's true. It depends upon your job. You ready? Yeah, we need to set this Oh, okay. Just a moment. Now, that's my, true. My question is, is it safe to take that kind of water intake in a day? Uh, yes. Water's not going to hurt you because, you know, you're not going to drink any more than you can handle. So I won't tell you to uh, don't drink X number amount unless, you know, what's it, what harm is it going to do? You're just going to spend a lot of time running. <laughs> but... Uh, that's true. The darker, the darker your urine, the more toxins, unless you're eating some type of food that may color your urine. But uh, that's true. We should try to keep the urine clean, clear as much as possible. And remember, the process of eliminating toxins out of the system is at night. So you do want to make sure you have been drinking enough water so that process can take, take place. Uh, the, the process of repair and uh, reversal takes place between uh, the time you go to bed at night to midnight. That's usually the best hours of sleep. Every hour of sleep you get before midnight is equivalent to two hours. That's why you've found that some scientists and some people that are uh, very studious, they'll go to bed early, but they'll get up at two or three or four in the morning to study and to read because uh, they get most of that sleep at night. And that sleep, like if you go to bed at nine, at 12, it's like having almost six hours sleep. So if they sleep till 2 or 3 o'clock, 
it's like getting eight, nine hours sleep. And uh, we need to reverse that process and try to get, everybody should be in bed by 10 because uh, that's when the repair work takes place is earlier in the evening before midnight. Okay, I guess we're uh, getting just about ready. Okay, fruit juices, we don't recommend that as a study diet, but we do say if you're going to drink juice in the morning with your breakfast, take it at least 20 to 30 minutes before so it, it, the liquids can be eliminated through your system. Uh, I wouldn't because it does stir up the, the digestive system again. I would drink it just before a meal. And uh, I would not eat uh, fruit juice before I had a vegetable meal. Because uh, the reason for this is because when you mix fruits and vegetables, uh, it causes fermentation and it, and it uh, produces alcohol in the system. Now, there are some fruits, there are some, um, the um, uh, scientists have, have a list, and I wish I would have brought it here today. There's definite fruits and there's definite vegetables, that are, but there are some that are called vegetable fruits that can be mixed with either such as uh, like an olive. Olive is a fruit, but yet you can mix it with either. Uh, the, uh, tomato is one that you can mix. Um, some people are very strict and won't even mix those. They'll call, it, well, they'll call it a definite fruit or what have you. But we don't want to get into that, but there are definite fruits and vegetables you want to be cautious in mixing them with. And the main thing to do is listen to your body language. Yes. Do I have what? A remedy for ME. Remedy for ME. ME. What is ME? We don't know what ME is. I don't know what it is. So I'm, I'm sure that we do. It's just that. Uh, oh, okay. Okay, now we call it MS in America. Oh. Chronic fatigue. Chronic fatigue? Yes, we have a paper on chronic fatigue. I'd be glad to bring and share with you. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of this chronic fatigue we're having is from improper cooking, overloading our system with acid foods. My husband is going to go over acid foods. And um, not drinking enough water can add to it. And there's other things, you know, that are more serious that, um, but I hesitate to say what they are because, you know, our minds sometimes say, oh, yeah, that's right. I have that and I have that and that and that too. And we make ourselves believe we have something that we don't have. So um, I just hesitate to mention um, what some of those symptoms are. Anyone else? Yes. Okay, the same diet that I use. And for any um, degenerative disease, any cancer, the same diet I have. I have that cancer paper with me if anyone wants it. Um, and the teas that I took, everything that I took is on that paper. And uh, yes. Did you say leukemia? Yeah. yeah another thing you might be, uh, have a person to be aware of is their uh, red blood cells 
because if they are a vegetarian, that means that they're, um, they're not getting the red blood, uh, the, the B vitamin B12, their red blood cell count will drop. So if they have enough B12, but B12 builds red blood cells. But her question was this, um, what diet do you recommend for leukemia? Right, for leukemia, but mm -hmm. if, they, if they're not getting something that'll help build red blood cells to counteract the white, is what I'm saying, because mm -hmm. leukemia is an excessive amount of T lymphocytes, and so you need to kind of build up the red blood cells at, at the same time. Just a suggestion. Okay. Um. Uh, let's talk about vitamin B12 for a minute. If you are a vegan and you've been a vegan for three years, then this information that I'm going to give would be for you. Now, please, if you have had any animal products at all, this is not applying to you because vitamin B12 is stored in the liver up to three years. So. And vegetarians, total vegetarians, do show lower in vitamin B12, but they also need less vitamin B12 than a meat eater, see. So if, if you show lower than what the average American is showing, don't be alarmed because all vegans show lower, and we don't need as much. But now, Dr. Crane does recommend that we, if we've been a vegan for three years or more, that it's, we probably should be taking a supplement of vitamin B12. They believe that it's in the diet, but they're not sure. And because the symptoms can be pretty uh, extreme, that they're recommending that we take it by mouth. Now, let me share something with you. Don't take a vitamin, multivitamin that has vitamin B12 in it, because you swallow it and it goes par past the part where you can assimilate it and then it becomes carcinogenic. So in other words, it has to be dissolved in the mouth. And I'll give you the brand that we use in America and I don't know that you can get it here. It's called Dots Twin Lab. And it has to be, you have to chew it. And um, if you don't chew it, you're not getting the benefit. It has to be mixed with your saliva. I'm saying with vitamin B12 first, any vitamin tablet. Um, first of all, if you're taking vitamins, it's not really the best thing to do. Vitamins can cause you to get out of whack because, see, when you take, say, vitamin C, it raises your need for may, many, many other vitamins. And your body thinks you're lacking in that nutrient you know, if you have a high amount of C. So if you feel like you need more vitamin C, it's better to eat another orange because all of the other vitamins are there and nobody knows how to balance them properly. <coughs> See, so um, vitamins are not the thing to be taken. Now, I'm not saying that there's maybe times that you're lacking in nutrients. Anyone who has cancer is lacking in nutrients and they should take vitamin supplements for a while. But see, nobody knows how long, and myself, I took them too long, which was an overload on my liver. And so then I had to, you know, and then I did some damage that way, and then I had to come back from that. And many times, food sensitivities or um, allergies are stemming from that kind of thing, of getting out of balance. 
So if you are on mega dose of vitamins, the results are not all in yet, but even um, mega dose of vitamins of nutrients become carcinogenic as well as lacking in vitamins or nutrients. Do you see what I'm saying? So that's not the answer. The answer is to eat whole foods as grown. Then you get all of the nutrients. And a, a wide variety of, of foods just don't eat a wide variety at one meal. But through the week, you should have a wide variety of foods. And so if you're on mega dose of vitamins, don't just stop them either, because your body will think it's lacking, you know, and it will, um, I, I know a lady was taking high doses of vitamin C. She stopped them all at once, and she had scurvy. See, so you, you want to back off slowly. And this is how I do it. I would take less and less, and then when I got it down to a small amount, then I would go one every other day, depending on how you were doing it. You know, some people take them, you know, every day, and some take them every other day. Depending on how you do it, just make it wider and wider between until you finally get off them. And it's better, much better to get your nutrients and your vitamins in the food. Now, someone says, well, but all of the nutrients are not there anymore because of the, um, the soil is being leached. In the, the only one that I know of for sure is selenium. And you can get your selenium by eating two to four Brazil nuts and, um, a day, between two and four. And we should be eating them because we need selenium. And, but it's a very toxic uh, substance to take. And nobody knows, it's just a minute amount. Nobody knows for sure how much you can take. And so it's much better to get it in a food rather than, yes. The uh, vitamin B12, I believe, according to the books, is in the bacteria within the teeth. Um, we've been conditioned by the world to clean up teeth at least once a day, maybe two or three times a day. And I've experimented in the last six, the last six months well, look at it this way. Let me share this with you. You could get vitamin B12 if you never washed your dishes also. But, I mean, listen, do we want to do that? No, we don't want to do that. It's a, we, we need to clean our teeth. We, you know, we're, we're, we're social people. We're spending time with one another. You need the exercise on your gum. Many people who um, their, their teeth, uh, their gums are bleeding. And really, if they would use dental floss every single day and wash their teeth properly, they would never have that kind of problem. And uh, we know that. We've already learned that part. And so we can't go back to not washing our teeth. We must. And, um, and I know you're not advocating never, you know, I, but still, on the other hand, uh, we need to wash our teeth properly and uh, several times a day and, and use dental floss. Then, and that's not a, a real, you know, and besides that, they also don't know that you will get enough vitamin B12 by that. You are going to get some. That's true. Others say, don't brush your teeth until after breakfast. You're going to get some. And they know that some is in the vegetables because of the way they're grown. But we're not going to eat vegetables that are not washed either because we don't know what kind of things they put in their soil. And so to me, it sounds better. Why not just take it by mouth? 
you know, or some people don't even take it at all and they've been vegans for 15, 20, 30 years and they have no problem at all. They really believe that it's a simulation problem, that if you don't simulate it properly, it didn't matter whether you were a flesh eater or a total vegetarian, your body just didn't assimilate it, and that's more what the problem is. Way in the back, she had her hand up first. Can I just come back on that? The reason I was making the statement was, uh, was on the television for quite a few years back, that when they open people up that are dead, they find toothpaste, or the remains of toothpaste, in their bowels, whatever and therefore um, it's not necessarily a good thing to actually clean the teeth with toothpaste well, yes, but look, 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 just a minute. There's some natural things that um, I'm not advocating using some of these toothpastes either. I don't use them. I use, um, I use a natural toothpaste, as well as I don't use those deodorants that are on the market. The best thing uh, is one of those stones. How many of you know about the stone? The rock? Listen, you can get them from these, probably your health food store right back there. Uh, raise your hand so people can see who you are. There's a rock, a natural rock. It's all natural, and uh, it, you know, no no uh, bacteria is going to grow. You you use it, and you don't even have to use it every day. Although I suggest that you do use it every day. I mean, take a bath and and all of that. But um, and it's very natural and it's very good. And there's nothing harmful. I have a lady in the back that's had her hand up for a long time. I need to. Okay, that's uh, what I didn't have a chance to say before. Um, okay, uh, the vitamin B12, all you need is about 50 micrograms. Now, don't let them sell you a big dose in the health food store. See, they make money. Um, that's why it's good if you can go to an Adventist health food store because he's not going to tell you, hey, you need 18,000 uh, micrograms when you only need 50 to 100 and uh, once a week. Of B12? Oh, the multivitamin. Yeah, I don't recommend them at all. Uh, you know, I recommend that you just get it out of your food. And so... Um, Well, well, see, I don't recommend cooking all of your food, and I don't recommend throwing that water away that you cook it with. See, what I do is I steam my vegetables. I don't put them down in the water, and after they're steamed, that water that's left over, I use in cooking my beans or something like that. So then you get it all, and you don't have to be concerned about well, this that. Is why a pressure cooker is much better than a saucepan because that contains a lot of the mineral salts. Yes. Well, uh, a, a pressure cooker is good for some things and, and not so good, like beans, it's excellent, especially soybeans, but I wouldn't use it for vegetables because you don't want a vegetables, it would, they would be overcooked. Okay, way in the back. Micrograms. Micrograms once a week. Uh, the tablets that 
Then cut it in two. We can cut it in two, but then you're talking about chewing it. Could you grind it up and then just sprinkle it on your food? You could, but you do have to chew vitamin B12 any way you get around it. <clears throat> and I don't know if you can get the kind that we do. Australia, they couldn't get it at all. And, um, and the vitamin B12 they have over there is, I guess, horrible to the taste. And... Uh, and just not a very pleasant thing. So, but in America, they have um, this. And I think that if you um, work with a health food store, they can find you something. Can you just mention the brand name again? Vitamin B12. Yes, it's uh, Dots, and the brand is Twin Lab Dots.